Programming note, this was filmed prior to the passing of Scott Hall. What's up, everybody? This is Fred Ricciani of TSC. We have right here via Zoom a very special guest, our all-time favorite guest. He is a WWE Hall of Famer, a multi-time world champion, the founder, the guru of DDPY, and he is the star of the new Netflix hit series, Guardians of Justice. We are talking to the one, the only DDP, Diamond Dallas Page. DDP, thank you so much for the time. How's everything going? Man, Freddie, if I was doing any better, I'd have to be twins just to handle it. <laughs> I haven't used that one in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Now, let's talk about the topic on hand here. You are playing a superhero, Nighthawk, in the bootleg universe of Guardians of Justice on Netflix right now. Can you tell us a little bit about this role and how you got hooked up? Well, I've known Adi, Adi Shankar, uh, the guy who is, it's an Adi Shankar experience, uh, who's one of the directors and really the creator of this, this satire. And anyone that, you know, goes into it, it's not your normal superhero deal. You know, it's a, you know, we're, we're having fun with it. And, you know, it's campy at times. You know, I really think at some point, it turns into something like for superheroes, like the Rocky Horror of superheroes, uh, you know, type of deal. Um, but right now, it's getting either, uh, you know, getting real good reviews for people who, who get it, you know, who understands the satire. Uh, when I first got this uh, role sent to me, it was seven years ago, and Adi had sent me a script, and um, Adi was one of those guys who was a, a Producer in Hollywood, he produced The Gray and Killing Them Softly with Brad Pitt, The Gray with Liam Nielsen, he did Walk Among the Tombstones with Liam Nielsen, and did Judge Dredd. And because he was so young at the time, in his early 20s, um, and right on up through his, uh, his later 20s, the producers took him serious, but only so far, because there were certain things he wanted to do his own way. And then one day he said to me, he said, we were out for lunch and he said, you know what? I'm sick of Hollywood. I'm going to start filming stuff and putting it up on YouTube. And I was like, what? What do you mean YouTube? He goes, yeah, I'm going to start creating shorts. And one of the two of the big shorts that he created, one was called Dirty Laundry. And that was the role I was supposed to have a role in. Uh, Thomas Jane, who played the Punisher originally, he was actually going to play the Punisher in this short. And they wanted me to play the uh, um, the disabled veteran who had a liquor store in the hood. And long story short, I couldn't do it. And Ron Perlman actually ended up doing it. It's a phenomenal short. And it just blew up on the internet. And then he did one around the Power Rangers, but made it like R-rated. And it was like a whole different slant. And again, it blew up. So he started to become this guy who was seen in that world of, you know, the internet world. And this show that we did, Guardians of Justice, was originally going to be shorts, a series of shorts for YouTube. And after we got into it, we were like, man, this is actually pretty good. We could probably make this a film. Let's add, let's add, like, uh, you know, the fight scenes and all the stuff we didn't have so we added all that and then it was too long you know to be a to be a movie and uh especially a superhero movie so it kind of like sat on the shelf for a while and then he did castlevania 
for Netflix and they loved it and it blew up huge there. And they were like, what else do you have? And it came off the shelf. And then for the next couple of years, all the CGI and 20 minute shorts and stuff started to come out. And to be honest, when I first read it, I wanted a different role because they were going to like gorilla shoot this thing. And the character I ended up playing, Nighthawk, was so much dialogue, Fred, that I, I, I didn't really want to take it on because my buddy Adi was paying for everything. And I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to hold up the production because it was so much dialogue. And um, I called, Adi called me up and he goes, so what did you think? And I told him I wanted to play this character, Mindmaster. He's like, what? You want to play my master? I'm like, yeah, I think it'll be good. It's got a good slant on it. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's a good amount of dialogue, but it's not a ridiculous amount. He's like, bro, you're Nighthawk. Like, you, you got to be Nighthawk. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'd love to play Nighthawk. Because Nighthawk is, if Batman kept aging, like, Batman is only 40, you know, late 30s to early 40s that's how old batman is and you know in in the series the way it's shot and nighthawks is if he got into his 60s you know and he drinks and he smokes and he takes painkillers because he's beat up you know he's got cancer and he kills for the greater good you know uh and he's uh you know he's a bit of a fascist he he thinks his way is the only way and right in the beginning, the main character, you know, who is like the Superman character, Marvelous Man, he dies. Everybody thinks he shot himself or did he? And there lies that uh, uh, little slant. So Adi talked me into it. And I'm really glad he did because, uh, you know, it's just getting, getting a lot of attention. You're the first voice they hear. And that threw me, threw me off because we've been friends for a long time. And like you told me, I'm in this Netflix show. Check it out. And then I hear like Nighthawk, and I'm like, that voice sounds familiar. And then they cut to your face. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is DDP. Like he's the lead here. I mean, you're no stranger to being the lead man in wrestling. Obviously, you're front row center and doing your thing with DDPY. You've done a number of films and TV as well. But how is this high profile role different from some of the other things you've done in sports and entertainment? You know, it really broadened my horizons because uh you know, when I went out there, when I stopped wrestling, I didn't just say, okay, I'm an actor, which all wrestlers are actors. Uh, I don't want to screw in this for anybody, but wrestling's predetermined, you know, and uh, I, uh, you know, getting to have that load on your back, for me, once I got the character down, because he's just a version of me if I was a superhero, you know, and ridiculously rich and could afford whatever I wanted you know like 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 uh bruce wayne is you know so to me it was uh it was really fun to get in there and and really absorb myself into character and we shot a couple of different times and we'd go back and shoot more stuff because again it took seven years to put this together and there's times where it's kind of like when we filmed the resurrection of jake the snake and jake's going through his sobriety but Jake is falling and then he's falling and got to pick him back up again. And, you know, there's times where me and Steve would look at each other and go, man, do you think this, anybody's ever going to see this documentary, you know, like, cause if Jake doesn't get sober, there's no documentary, you know? And um, it was all on faith. And that's really kind of like what 
Guardians of Justice was. Like, Adi and I were like, dude, do you think this is actually really going to happen? Is it, is it going to? And there was times where he was like, I'm done. It's, it's never going to happen. And I would have to build them up like, no, man, we're so close. We're so close. And uh, it's so funny because since this has come out, Adi has gotten calls from three of the biggest filmmakers in Hollywood. They want to take meetings with them because it's so different. And, you know, that's Adi. That's that's his vision of throwing in the eight different types of 2D animation, 3D animation and claymation, you know, all through. And what was really cool about it, too, if we had a hole somewhere, we didn't have to go and shoot. We'd, it costs a lot of money doing animation, but it's something you can put together like, you know, pretty quickly. And, uh, and and we had a bunch of stuff that was done and that we didn't use. So it's just like acting. A lot of stuff ends up on the uh, editing floor, you know. And, and is he a wrestling fan? Because not only did he cast you in, in this this show, but he also cast John Morrison, who kind of took me off guard a little bit. I'm watching this. I hear the name town. I'm like, this guy sounds familiar. And then it's John Morrison just being John Morrison with the volume turned up. He did a great job. And Johnny really is a real life action hero because he can do all the crazy stuff but i loved a lot of the banter that went back and forth with us. that's one of my favorite scenes there um but uh yes adi is a wrestling fan and he and he understands that you know we're live actors you know we're it's like doing a play every night except for it's not the same lines. It's not your same opponent. You know, it's kind of like uh, ballet, just really physical ballet with acting and uh, having to talk. And the guys you really don't talk as well never really get to the top. You know, you've got to have be able to really bring your charisma through and know how to grab people and make them care. Because really what wrestling comes down to is making the people care. And like I said earlier, before we went on this, if you dig, like there was, there was one review who loved it. And this is a big, like, uh, like a highbrow, uh, um, people who, uh, are critics and they called it a kaleidoscope of pop art insanity because there's so much happening and it's happening so fast. Like the older generation, my generation, a lot of them aren't going to get it because it's so moves so fast. And uh, it was interesting. Uh, yesterday, we were top, we were number 14 in all of television on the IMDb. We were number 14 uh, for that day, because it's all day thing, how it goes, you know. And uh, we'd come up, like normally you go up two spots or six spots or eight spots. We went up 534 spots, which I, wow. which is crazy, which is crazy. I took a picture of it. Um, and like I said, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a story that really is like, I'm, I'm really shocked that most people aren't talking about like some of the things that were kind of important. Like this was written for 1987 in that, you know, an alternate universe. And 1987, like AIDS was rampant. And, 
right before AIDS, everything was getting pretty carefree, like casual sex and everything was crazy. And then when 19, in like the middle of the 1980s came along, AIDS came along. And then all of a sudden, guys who were cool with people who were gay were not. And they were very negative towards people who were gay. Oh, they deserve it. They're the devils, blah, 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 you know? And there's a lot of that that plays into it, but it's like an underlying threat. And, and uh, you know, right in the beginning, the president says, we will get, we didn't say eradicate or something like that, the homosexual epidemic. Mm. You know, like there's a thread that goes through that that no one is talking about, which is mind boggling to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And also to the weird parallels between the timeline of Guardians and what's going on now. I mean, granted, again, it is a satire. It is kind of like an action, dark comedy, but like the, even like the USA and Russia stuff, like I'm watching the episode the other day and like, you know, the guy's like, I don't like America. And I'm just like, the, uh, and <laughs> the irony, right? It, it, it's just crazy how like timing works. And this was filmed back in 2015. Like I'm the, I'm literally, Deadpool was the guy who actually, you know, got on screen and, and started saying, dropping the F-bombs. But Nighthawk was filmed a year and a half before him and dropping F-bombs wherever they needed to be dropped. And I was, I got, that was something, because I love that word. I was proud of that. I was like, yes, I'm going to be the first superhero to drop an F-bomb. And then I watched Deadpool come out there and just, that character did it so amazing. <laughs> you know, Ryan Reynolds is an amazing Deadpool and a phenomenal actor. But, uh, you know, there's little things like that that I, I found really entertaining to me, you know, as I was going through it. And I love playing, you know, some of the scenes between me and Awesome Man. Uh, you know, um, he's like the Shazam character. And, uh, you know, what happens at the end? Like, no one's seen what happens at the end. Nobody. You know, and uh, that that's pretty, is interesting as well. Definitely. People could check out The Guardians of Justice streaming right now on Netflix, The Guardians of Justice. Tell them that TSC sent you. And also, while you're at it, if you're checking out Adi's work, Castlevania as well on Netflix. Also a fantastic series. Now, DDP, before we let you go, obviously, you're not just doing acting. You're keeping very busy with that, of course. But... You still have DDPY. You got some things in the works as far as filming and wrestling. What have you got going on right now? Our whole DDPY program, uh, we've worked it into a docu-series we're working on right now. That will be, a, I, I, people like to call things like this a reality show, but for me it's not because it's actually real. And reality shows are not real, <laughs> you know, they're all staged and all that. I brought five people into my, one of my homes. We're the same place that we filmed the resurrection of Jake the Snake. And we're calling the show Change or Die. And for all of these people, if they don't change, you know, their lifestyle in the next, in the very near future, any one of them could die. And a lot of them are, you know, it all it's all around health, you know, but not just physical health, mental health. And we've got doctors and we've got therapists and, you know, uh, I work with everybody as well. I've got some of my, a lot of my crew, I mean, they're working 15 hour days right now, 
which are brutal. Um, but we're, we're in the first two weeks, we've already gotten some really amazing stuff. And now it's like over the next 10 weeks, you know, a total of 12, you know, can we help these people? And we're not gonna, I'm sure we're not going to help everybody uh, because that's a choice, their choice, not mine. Uh, but I, I really believe that over the period of time, we will make it an impact, at least some part of an impact, you know, for some of them and other ones will have a serious impact. And that, that to me, you know, it's getting people to understand it's when your body feels better, your mind feels better. When you're eating real food, which most people don't even understand what real food is, you know, and they're used to eating garbage, you know, especially in our country because they've ruined the food so bad. So we're enlightening people about that and, you know, just better choices. Don't eat this, eat that. You know, like a, a better example of something super simple would be like, instead of eating French fries, eat sweet potato fries. Better choice, you know, a, a much better choice. So examples like that, but also getting them to get to a point where we, they need to drop serious weight as well. Not everyone, but four of four of the five, you know, need to drop weight. And that's one of the reasons they're there. But what they, as they go on this journey, they'll realize the weight they're dropping isn't always going to be physical. It's going to be mental. And that's huge, you know? Absolutely. And I would imagine people could check out updates at ddpy.com. Uh, no, we're not going to put it up there till uh, we'll have a, uh, um, you know, it's going to end up on either a discovery or an A&E. Yeah. Uh, we've already been approached because we're not we're not someone who's like trying to pitch somebody. I mean, my whole I have a studio, a, com uh, a company called Comeback Studios, which filmed the Resurrection of Jake the Snake, which is up on Amazon Prime right now. It filmed Relentless, which is also up on Amazon Prime. Is but that's a documentary I did for me blowing my back out to where we are today, so people can really see like what we are about what this company is about. You'll really see it in change or die because it's just, we actually really care about trying to get people to help them not just change their lives, but own their lives. And, and that, that's really where once people really understand what that means, like where you can pretty much do what you want to do, you know, and you, you make healthier, smarter choices because you know, you've, way better and what what does anybody on this planet who's watching this right now want to do but feel better and feel good with themselves like not just physically but mentally and that's the kind of stuff that you know that i teach through my whole you know DD, ddpy will always stand for ddp yoga which is mainly the workout being yoga for people who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga you know, because it's not like, it's like, it ain't your mama's yoga, you know? And what's interesting is every one of these people who are in this house are disabled in some way. Like, they're not doing my beginner program. They're doing, like, my rebuild programs. And that's the only way we can get them to move, you know, by because they can't do it. Like, there's one girl who's there 
who can actually, she doesn't need the chair. She's the one person, uh, but she's also super young too. She's like 31 or something like that. So, uh, yeah, but I got a 22 year old kid in there who is just turned 22. He got to my house at four. He thought he was 486 pounds. He's five foot five. And when he got on the scale, he was 514. And he just started crying. I mean, the footage we have in this first two weeks is just like, I, yeah, I don't know how we're going to be able to pick, you know, what stuff, because it's so powerful, so much of the stuff. And, the, you know, they're on this journey. And we it's it's kind of like Biggest Loser meets um, The Apprentice meets Intervention. So once you, once you get around that whole, <laughs> that whole scene, you know, uh, it's, it takes a while to really get, because people can be very grumpy in the beginning <laughs> <laughs> and emotional. So between that, and if anybody wants to know about my DDPY program, just go to ddpy.com or ddpyoga.com and you'll be able to see, like we've got like weekly, we will, after the, probably the first or second week, we'll start bringing in different people who have already had unbelievable, you know, changes and not just physical, physical and mental changes. Like these people are just so different. It's crazy, man. In a, in a really amazing, positive way. Got to give you props again. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we've been friends for a long time. I truly appreciate you. want to give you your flowers on the air and like, you're truly invested in these people. Like even if you, the cameras weren't on, I mean, I, can't tell you how many times I've heard stories of like you calling people directly, even in like the early days. And even now with the, of, of DDPY, like checking on them, how they're doing with the program, keeping people motivated, social media messages and, and everything. Like you're always trying making yourself available as much as you can for people because you are genuinely invested. This isn't just like a gimmick or anything like that. So it, if you're somebody that hasn't tried DDPY yet, if you haven't linked up with DDP yet, do it. I don't think you'll regret it. You know, and it's not just me. And this is where this, this time was very much like when we did resurrection with Jake and we filmed that over 18 months, you know, that's how long it took to get him like in the right spot. And everybody was working, you know, around the clock while we were filming it, then editing it. And now we're back to it in a house and it's even more work because it's not Jake and Scott, it's five different people. And it's figuring out how to shoot a show We've never shot before, but we never did a we never did a uh, a um, a documentary either, and that's where Steve Yu, who is the genius behind the director behind the resurrection of Jake the Snake, and being able to take five hundred hours of footage and make it ninety three minutes of magic, and uh, you know that that I think that's one of the best things we've ever done. You know that resurrection of Jake the Snake. Like I said, you've never seen it. Go on Amazon Prime and check it out. It says nothing to do with wrestling. It's about three wrestlers, but not really about wrestling at all. I think they'll be playing that movie forever. Before we let you go, we always like to do a lightning round where we ask all our guests some kind of random rapid fire questions just to get to know them better. Are you ready? Go for it. Favorite late night snack or cheat meal? I have a, uh, my wife will make this uh, 
low sugar, but really amazing tasting cornbread. And I'll take Nadamu ice cream, which is, uh, is actually coconut, made from coconut milk. Like Ben and Jerry's is probably one of the most famous ice creams of all. Well, in two thirds of a cup, that's 47 grams of sugar. Uh, Nadamu, 11. <laughs> so I feel like I still, I can do that multiple nights, you know, because I do work out because I want to do what I do multiple nights and not gain weight because again, it's so low sugar. Favorite current wrestler. My favorite is my young brother, uh, Bronson, Rick Steiner, who is actually from the Steiner family. He goes by Braun Breaker now. Uh, um, I also got to say uh, my other brother, uh, uh, Drew McIntyre, big fan of his. Braun is killing it. I mean, he is. This guy's been in the game for what? Barely a year. And he lo- he looks like he's been doing this for like five years. It's I grew up too, you know, was, he, he had a little bit of a pedigree between his father and his uncle. You know, the <laughs> st- they should have just called him Bronson Steiner which is almost his real name, you know? <laughs> Awkward moment filming Guardians of Justice. Was there anything wacky or funny that, that happened on set that would make for a good story? I thought that it was really wacky or wonky on it. Um, one of my my favorite moments in it is when I discover what really happened with Marvelous Man. Like, that, like that's one of my favorite. I watched that back. That, that was really emotional. So, uh, it was uh, it's one of my favorite, probably my favorite moment in the show. Other than yourself, who's your favorite character in Guardians? I love friggin' uh, awesome man. I think that this guy's a big killer, Derek Mears. I mean, he's played, I think he was Jason. Uh, he was one of those, you know, Michael Myers type, you know, horror guys. But he, he's been in, I don't know, 30 different horror flicks or shows. And he always plays the big bad killer. And he's a badass, like black belt and karate. And like he's he's a big six foot six badass. And here he's playing like this, this young, you know, minded man child. And uh I, I love my scenes with him, but as a human being, he's a really great guy too. As somebody who had their last match in their 60s, or at least as we know of their, their last match in, in eight in their in their 60s. <laughs> okay, so you had your last match. You retired. Yes. Okay. As somebody who had their last match in their 60s, what are your thoughts on Sting still doing this at 62? Oh, my God. I'm like, I I saw him do the thing off the table where he came down the guys through the the tables out of the rafters or wherever the hell he was. And I just text him, are you okay? (laughs) He texts back, yes, I'm okay. But my brother has no idea how bad he's going to feel going into his 70s. Like he has no idea. And and I've tried, you know, Darby Allen is another one of my favorite young wrestlers. Uh, He does my program all the time. You know, he's a straight, he's a straight edge guy. You know, so he doesn't drink and do drugs, you know, but he does DDPY six days a week because he has to, you know, or he would be completely immobile. But that, that crazy kid, man, I was at his house, I don't know, a couple of weeks back, but they were doing, they were filming a new show that's going to come out called Darby's Day Off. 
and Darby is going to take a Jeep, a regular Jeep you know, car, uh, probably like a you know, 2001 Jeep. And they built a ramp of ground in front of his house. And he's going to jump his house in the Jeep and crash into like um, uh, trailers that they put behind it. I'm not going to tell you what happens, but it's pretty crazy. But I mean, Darby, first footage I ever saw him was on a skateboard, skateboarding down a roof that eventually there's no more roof. And he goes, go crashing to the ground and tumbles and gets back up. Like I, it doesn't make any sense to me, you know, but you know, there, my wife and I talk about him all the time. Like, God, do you think he'll be able to walk when he's your age? I'm like, not really. <laughs> I think all these guys, they're, they beat up their body so bad. Sting beat up his body, but not like what they're doing today. Mm -hmm. What they're doing today, you know, the, the Sammy Guevara, how do you say his name? Yeah, Sammy Guevara. Yeah, with that crazy splash that he's where he threw the table. I uh, just think he does. You know, like when he did the diamond cutter to Cody, jumping off the rope up on top of the ladder and springboarding out the diamond cut him. There was so much room for error. I mean, so much room for error. Now, did he? Zero. Great athlete. Um, he rem those guys, Darby and Sammy and Young Bucks, uh, you know, the Luchadors, uh, the Lucha Brothers, um, they're like the guys who surf the, the, the 30 foot waves. That's what they have. They have no fear. As long as you got no fear, you're good. When fear sets in, you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you see your buddy Cody Rhodes ending up? I don't really know, but I would, <clears throat> at this point, I'd be shocked if it wasn't WWE. Because um, <clears throat> I told him, I don't want to know. I just told him, if you're going to go there, Make sure you do this, 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 and this, you know, and just just my opinion. Because I've always offered my opinion to Cody. Sometimes he takes it, sometimes he doesn't. Same thing with me and his dad. Sometimes I take it and sometimes I didn't. And the times that I didn't, I really wish I did. <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, I hope he's going to be, you know, he has made the move for his career multiple times the right move you know because he would still be an underneath nobody he would have been let go by them and been nobody with nowhere to go you know but he didn't he left before and he changed he shook up the wrestling world you know so you gotta like Vince McMahon you gotta respect you gotta respect that you know because he walked away from Probably, I don't know exactly what he was making back then, but I know the position he was in. So he was making probably about a half a million dollars a year and walked away from that. How many people would do that? Not a lot. And, and, and I think people, too, forget that when they when they question him and some of his moves, like, this is Dusty Rhodes' son. Like, this is something that Dusty Rhodes would have done in his prime. Like, if he didn't like something, he would have he he would have gone and left and done something else. Like, he would have gone to another territory, you know? And, and, and did. <laughs> that's why i was lucky enough to here's a great picture of me and him back in the day there oh, no. 
That's yes. awesome. 33 years ago, uh, and I was working for Florida Championship Wrestling, and, and they wanted, uh, when Turner bought the NWA and Short Charlotte and, and uh, Mid-South, and he, and he bought all those companies and put them together, they wanted Dusty to turn heel. And he was like, no, no, we, no, we want you to turn heel. It's like, I'm out of here. And he ended up in Florida where two years earlier, three, maybe three years earlier, he could have sold out 5,000 people and autographs come to see him, get his autograph. You know, he could, he was so unbelievably over, but the business is always changing, you know? And that's when Vince was swallowing up everything. That's why Ted Turner went after it, you know? So, you know, bigger picture all the way around, uh, yeah, I hope I hope the kid lands. You know, I know he's going to land on his feet. Like where and how, that will remain to be seen. And hopefully, uh, if he ends up over there in WWE, then hopefully uh, some of the things we talked about, you know, he he's took did something with it. You know, again, he's he's his own man. You know, he's thirty five years old. He ain't a kid. You know, you've dropped a lot of gems in this interview. But what's the best piece of advice you give anybody for success? I think the best piece of advice is really to own the story you tell yourself. And what I mean by that is we all have inner dialogues in our brain. Like, Oh God, I'm never going to be able to do this. What was I thinking? This is so wrong. Why me? Why does this have to happen to me? Like there's all this inner turmoil dialogue that we all have. And when you can learn how to control that, like everything changes for you. And it's constantly you have to work at it because even I have to remind myself, you know, more than anything, like we're, we live in a country where there's a lot of things that are really screwed up, but it's still, I'd rather live here than anywhere, you know, and people don't really realize how good they have it. And that's where the whole thing of living life with an attitude of gratitude, you know, and this will really help the story you tell yourself when you, look at all the things you have to be grateful for as opposed to the things you don't have. But so many people follow the things that they don't have. And they're depressed about this or depressed about that. It's like, well, what, what, what do you, where really are you? There's people like, there's a third of the world who are starving right now. A third of the world is starving. You know, they're starving in our country right here. There's so many homeless people today. I mean, again, and you could be depressed and then you can walk by a homeless village and see all that and you're still going to be depressed. You know, you got to change the story you tell yourself. And that's what it all comes down to. You know, when you can really own this six inch piece of real estate in between your ears and it takes practice just like it does you're never going to be a good reader unless you read all the time. You know, when you if you're someone who can't read that well, and I know because I'm one of those people because I'm ADD and dyslexic, but I train all the time. You know, I'm constantly training my brain. So the, the, the short version of that is live life with an attitude of gratitude. Focus on the things you have as opposed to the things you don't have. And keep working towards the things that you don't have and understand that 
sometimes the worst thing that can happen to you can be the best. And I can give six examples of that right now. But the easiest one is when I blew my back out and I was told by three different spine specialists I was ever going to be able to wrestle again. I just signed a multi-million dollar three-year deal. And those three spine specialists told me my career was over. If I don't wrestle in the next six months, that contract goes away. So it means nothing unless I can get in there and wrestle. That's where DDPY came from. The guy who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga would do anything to get back in that ring again. And yoga helped, but it wasn't everything. So that's where I added in the rehab and the old school calisthenics and dynamic resistance. And next thing you know, I've got something kind of yoga, but not really. And less than three months, I'm back in the ring. At 42, they said my career's over. At 43, I had that thing. You know, so what looked like the worst thing never happened to me has turned out to be the best thing because DDP yoga, like I made a lot of money in professional wrestling. It took me eight years to be an overnight success in professional wrestling. It took eight years for DDPY to kick off and start to make money instead of me. I was $548,000 in before I made a dime. That was most of the money I had saved for not all of it, but most of it. And that was all bet on, on what I was doing. And then it started to blow up 10 years ago this May. And we've never looked back since then. And today, I mean, I don't ever have to work again, ever. And I do because I love what I do. And that's why we're doing, I'm like, I'm investing a million dollars in change or die. I'm investing in those people, but I'm investing in the idea that I don't want to rely on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube because they control all that shit now, you know, and they control it. So I don't want, let them control me. I'd rather have my own control. And at the same time, change tens of thousands of people's lives. So that's the positive side. Thank you so much for your time. Bonus question. Is there anything you wish I asked you in this interview? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You can check out, you can check out DDP online, of course, DDPY.com, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. He's got you know it. What? I forgot. Yeah. DDP snake pit. DP uh, Snake Pit, tell us about it. Me and Jake Roberts, you know, here's a guy when I started filming him. And if you watch the resurrection of Jake the Snake, you'll know what I'm talking about. This is a guy when I first got back with him 10 years ago, uh, right about now, I thought, man, I'm never going to be able to carry on a real conversation with my brother again because of the booze and the pills and the coke and the crack and the fog that it created in his brain. I thought I'm never going to be able to talk to him like a real person again. And then he got sober. And the first three years he was doing pretty good, but the last five, he's unbelievable. 
Today, Jake is happier than he has ever been. And we talk about, you know, we talk about wrestling on DDP State Pit. We talk about shows. You know, we talk about different, you know, parts of each other's careers. And, um, you know, we'll bring guests on occasionally, but that's not the focus. But uh, if you go back and you listen to episode one, and I like the YouTube version we put up there because it's got so many pictures and videos that tell the story that we're telling. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of the highest rated sports, uh, wrestling podcasts out there. When you consider there's tens of thousands of wrestling podcasts, you know, just to be up in the top, you know, 15 or 10, you know, sometimes we're number one, you know, just, uh, to be up there anywhere near that spot is pretty cool. So check out DP snake bit. A lot of people know what I did for Jake but they don't know why I did it. If you listen to episode one, that's the first thing I talk about is why and how, what the story that people don't know about me and Jake. All right, Freddie. DDPY.com. Hey, they both work. <laughs> See you, brother. Thank you, man. Bye.